So for the next two weeks, we will, leading up to Palm Sunday, we will be uh, taking a look at John chapter 15. Today, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Listen now to the word of God. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and Become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you, so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for these words of our Lord. We pray that you would use them to speak to us this morning. uh, Just the word that you want us to hear. Lord, help us to learn about what it means to be in union with you. May our ears and our minds and our hearts be open. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Final words. They're so important, aren't they? I think all of us can remember a time when someone spoke final words to us, maybe perhaps when a loved one passed away. I remember so clearly those words that my mom spoke to me, her final words to me, even though it is now almost 15 years ago. She was on hospice and hadn't really been uh, cognizant for you know, a number of days. And my brother and sister and I made sure that somebody was with her uh, every moment of the day. So I had the night shift, probably, I don't know, midnight to 8 a.m. And about 2 or 3 in the morning, I was sitting in the chair next to her bed, kind of half falling asleep, when all of a sudden she woke up and kind of propped herself up in the bed and looked at me. And she said, Stevie, I love you so much. And uh, I was a bit startled, actually, but I said to her as well, Mom, I love you so much. That was it. After those words, she went back down, and those were the final words she spoke to me, and to anybody, for that matter. What a gift God gave to me with those final words. Also, I always remind my brother and sister that this proved that I was actually her favorite. Final words. 
really important. In high school, I played football and was a middle linebacker, so really had to learn the other team's offense. And so beginning Monday and all during the week, we would have a team on our team run the plays of the other of our opponent for that week. And we learned so much. We watched film. Our coach taught us about uh, what was going to go on in the game. And, but on Friday night, right before the game, those were the final words. That's when we would all huddle around our coach and he would give the most salient points from that week, the most important things that we had to remember about our opponent and about the game. He took everything that he'd taught that whole week and brought it down to just a few final words. Chapter 13 through 17 of the Gospel of John are known as the final or uh, upper, discourse, upper room discourse, those final moments that Jesus had with his disciples before his crucifixion. They were important words. And I am sure that Jesus, just like my coach on Friday nights, kind of took all that he had said and tried to condense them into very important words. And he did. Jesus, I think, in these final five chapters, 13 through 17, gives us some very key things about how to live the Christian life and what his desire is for us. Really, what Jesus was doing, he was communicating the most important things that he had communicated all through his ministry. And it was so consistent with what he had said before. Jesus, I think, the primary message he gave was he wanted to communicate to us how to live life, life to the fullest, life in union with God, in fact, Jesus once said, I have come. This is his mission statement, really. I have come that you might have life and have it abundant. Jesus came to earth to give us life. That was his message throughout the three years of his ministry. And that is the message in this passage today and really in the whole final discourse. In this passage and we should pay attention to this, he uses a beautiful picture, really, to portray that abundant life to us. He says to us, he wants our lives to be like a beautiful vineyard, a vital, healthy vineyard with luscious vines and juicy, big grapes. Jesus wants to, us to be like this, to be thriving, to be fully alive. You know, as I thought about this passage this week, I thought, what, what other image could Jesus use to portray uh, anything more beautiful than the life that he has for us? If you've ever been to the wine country, you know how beautiful a healthy vineyard looks like. So Jesus makes it clear in this chapter, in this passage, that he wants us to experience full life, abundant life, life with God, a fruitful life, a life that makes a difference. You know, before I go on, I just want to ask you this question this morning. Do you want such a life? 
Do you want to live the abundant, fruitful life that Jesus came to give us? Do you want to be fully alive? Do you want to experience all that God has for you? Well, if you do, I would say pay attention this morning because this passage, which is so rich, gives us some keys as to how to make that life happen. I want to lift up two words this morning that I think are just crucial in this passage and in living this abundant life. The first word is this, abide. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. In fact, he uses this word abide 11 times in this short passage. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. So no doubt, abiding is key to living this fruitful life that Jesus talks about and ultimately this joyful life that he talks about. But what does Jesus exactly mean when he uses this word abide? Well, he means a lot of things. This Greek word for abide is meno, and it can mean uh, to dwell, to remain, to, to rest. Meno is a very relationship type of word. In fact, this whole passage, if you noticed, is so relational. Meno remind, implies to continue in a relationship, faithful and unchanging. And this is the, the uh, meaning that I like the most. It means to make yourself at home. So really what Jesus is saying when he says, abide in me or remain in me, he's saying, make your home in my love. Dwell in my love. In many ways, abiding is simply staying connected to Christ. That's what this image of the vine in the branches, it's why it's so effective. To abide in Christ is to remain connected to him just as a branch is connected to a vine. You know, one of the, the downsides to being a pastor is you're always on the hunt for uh, sermon illustrations. <laughs> it's really kind of a sad way to live life. But a number of years ago, when I was going to preach on this passage, I met with a friend of mine who has a beautiful vineyard. It's not a large vineyard. It's about 10 acres of Syrah grapes. But you can tell that someone really pays attention to it. It's a beautiful vineyard. And when we walked through that vineyard, it was just about this time of year. Some of the branches had, or the branches had already been cut. They were lying on the ground, drying up, ready to be gathered up. And just like Jesus said, to be burned. But it was also the time of year where we could just begin to see some new spring growth. It was beautiful. And as I looked at the vine and the branches, it was not really clear to me, like, where, where did the vine stop and the branch began? It seems like the branches just grow right out of the vine. And they're very connected. Hard to tell where the vine ends and the branch begins. And of course, if, just like Jesus said, if the branch is severed from the vine, it will wither up and die. The branch gets everything it needs from the vine, just as Jesus said. And here's something else that's very interesting. The closer the branch is to the vine, the more fruitful it will be. 
My friend said that he never let a branch grow more than three and a half feet from the vine. Close proximity to the vine is crucial for the branch to be fruitful. Left to its own devices, a branch will just grow and grow and grow like crazy, becoming very long, but not really being very fruitful. He called those long branches suckers because they just sucked the life in the energy out of the vine, but didn't produce much fruit. As I said at the beginning of this sermon, my hunch is that most of us yearn for a stronger connection to the vine. Jesus said, we are the branches. He is the vine. We want to be connected. We want to have this deep communion with him, this intimate relationship that this word meno, abide, means. We want to avail ourselves of the power, don't we? Of the indwelling Christ in our lives. But we can get so easily distracted and grow in different directions and spend a lot of energy in different things that sometimes our connection gets a little weak. That's why Jesus said, I will prune the vine or the branches to produce more life. One of the ways that we can abide in Christ. One of the ways that we can keep our connection, our union, our consciousness of God in our lives so, so vital is through what we call spiritual disciplines or spiritual exercises. Spiritual exercises I often describe as uh, kind of opening the, the sails up to the wind of God, God's grace. Now God's grace, the wind of God is always blowing. The spiritual disciplines open up those sails so that we can catch the wind of grace. We can abide in Christ. Now, these spiritual disciplines are simply things like worship. When we worship, we open ourselves up to the grace of God, to the abiding presence of God in our lives. When we pray, we open up the sails to God's wind of grace. When we serve, when we meditate, when we read scripture during the week, when we simply rest in Christ and listen for the voice of God. Those are the spiritual disciplines. That is abiding. Jesus makes it very clear. Life is ours when we make ourselves at home in Christ's love, when we live, when we dwell in, in grace. Now, that's not surprising for us. We, we all know that knowing God's love for us is uh, just so important, important to staying connected to Christ. But what Christ also says in this passage, I think, may be so, somewhat surprising. He says to us, and here's the second word, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. So Christ makes this connection between obedience and abiding in him. In other words, if you want to know grace, if you want to know the love of God in your life, be obedient. If you want to know God's love, then keep his commandments. In other words, be obedient. Now here is why I say this is kind of surprising. 
at least for me, it's kind of surprising because obedience to me at first hearing is not a word I really associate with life and freedom and joy. I think of doing things that I really don't want to do. Obedience kind of brings to mind for me eating broccoli or something else that I really don't want to do. It's kind of like gritting my teeth and carrying through on something that might be difficult. Now, maybe I'm just a rebel by nature, but it is not a word I am immediately drawn to. Yet Jesus makes it so clear, doesn't he? The key to abiding in Christ's love, in making our home in Christ's love, is is being obedient. Do God's will in the little things, in the big things of life. You know, this is really what it means to have Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we come to faith in Christ, and that can be uh, over many years, many little steps, it can be a process, or it could be for some people a moment that they remember very clearly that they made a decision to become a Christian. What really happens at that point, regardless of how it occurs? Well, there's a huge paradigm shift in our lives. We begin living life with a really different set of questions. Instead of saying to ourselves, what is my will for my life, or what do I want to do with my life, we begin to ask the questions, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do with my life? How does God want me to live? Very different. All of life is reoriented by that question. It's a huge shift. And this is really abiding in Christ. This is staying connected to Christ. Somehow, Christ makes the connection between obedience and abiding, staying connected, knowing his love. We begin to try to be obedient, and we take little steps. And as we do that, trust develops. Connection is strengthened. It's so simple, really, and yet we we fight it, don't we? My guess is that uh, all of us are a little rebellious (laughs) by nature. All you have to do is read the beginning of Genesis to see that Human beings are rebellious. But over time, we have to learn how to trust God. You know, let me give you an example here that I think might be helpful. I, I learned how to be obedient to my mom. My mom was this very intuitive person. Uh, it's almost like she could read the future. And maybe this is a, a gift that God gives to all moms. But she would tell me something and it would happen. She would say, Steve, don't do this, or this will happen. And of course, the very thing she told me not to do is what I would do, and it would play out exactly as she said. I remember one example so clearly, even today. She said, Steve, if you go to that park to play basketball, and you take your new bike, it's going to be stolen, so don't do that. And of course, what did I do? I rode my brand new gold Schwinn 10-speed to that park, and I played basketball, and when I was done, it was gone. 
you know, it got to the point where I, I just didn't even want to hear what she had to tell me. <laughs> but over time, I learned some very important lessons. I learned to trust my mom. Uh, I learned that she had great intuition and that maybe she knew a little bit more than I did, that uh, maybe she really wanted the best for me and wasn't trying to deprive me of anything. Learn the pain of my past mistakes. And you know what? I've learned the same in my relationship with God. Through many years of walking with God and through getting a better understanding of his will for my life, I have learned that it's in my best interest to be obedient, to trust. At first, we fight it. Man, some of the things that God asks us to do are so countercultural. They, they don't really make any sense when we first start living this life. For example, love your enemies. Really? Give away your life and you will find it. Hmm. Turn the other cheek. Forgive as I have forgiven you. Wow. Not easy commands. Yet God never asks us to do something that he won't empower us to do. And as we walk with God, the more we obey, the more we learn to trust. And the more we want to trust, it becomes easier. You learn to just do it. You know, let me close with <laughs> this great story. Uh, we had a woman who began coming to our church. And I think the first day she walked into church, everybody was a little surprised. If you think of the least, or if you think of the person that is a church person, this person was exactly the op opposite. But she was going through a difficult time in her life, and she had a friend who was a member of our church who had also gone through some really difficult things in her life. And she said to her, Kim, you know, why don't, why don't you just come with me to church? See if it might give you some help. And so she came, and boy, God met her. First time. Surprised her. And met her in a powerful way. And God continued to surprise her at every turn. And after a few months of coming to worship, I preached a stewardship sermon. And the sermon was very clear. It was on the importance of, of tithing, giving 10%, starting at 10% of what we make away to God, away to the work of God, God's work in the world. Now that's one of those things that is so counterculture. It doesn't make sense. Give away 10%? So this is the first time she heard this idea of, of tithing, and she, she was kind of surprised at it. And it, every once in a while, we would get together, have a cup of coffee, or go for a walk, and we would just catch up, and I would ask her how it was going in this new walk with God. And she said, Steve, you know, when you preached that sermon on tithing, really made it an impact on me. I said, really? Tell me about this. She, she said, well, you know, at the beginning of the sermon, you said, this is family business. It was the day that uh, we dedicated our pledges. 
And I said, this is family business. I always say this. And if you're a visitor or if you're new to our church, don't feel any pressure at all to fill out a pledge card and, and uh, give today. But if you feel God calling you to do that, then, then go ahead. She said, you know, you said it was family business, but I figured I'm trying to figure this stuff out. So maybe I should do what he is telling me to do. Now, I got to tell you about this person. She's a journalist and not a wealthy person. In fact, she lives from paycheck to paycheck. It's kind of an uneven uh, life or work is a little uneven. So pledging 10% of her income to the church, huge step of faith. Pledging 1% would be a huge step of faith. But she said, Steve, you know, I, I was praying about it, and I decided to do it. I decided to be obedient. So I took the card out to my mailbox, put it in, and I really wasn't sure I was doing the right thing, wasn't really sure how I was going to make it financially, but I did it. And I went back into my house, and I went to my computer. And there waiting for me was an email from a guy that I had been talking to for months about some work that he might have for me, but it just wasn't coming together. And this work would give me this consistent income. It would be a great gift. Well, this email was telling me, it's going to happen. She said, I never wanted to be one of those persons with a Jesus story. But I have a Jesus story. And man, we laughed. We were laughing so hard. I don't know about you, but... It's such a mystery to me how God works in our lives. How he blesses our steps of obedience. And I don't want to say for sure that this is the connection between her taking that step of faith and her going back to her computer and having this work. But I'm telling you, it could be. I've heard so many stories like this when God have, people have stepped out in faith in giving and God provides. But here's what I will say. Was her connection to God strengthened by this step of faith, of obedience? Oh, absolutely. Did she experience the grace of God in a deeper way because of this step of obedience? Absolutely. Did she now have a, a memory of trusting God and seeing God provide for her in her life? For sure. And lastly, did she experience the joy of God, the joy of giving as she took the step of obedience? You see, this is what Jesus says his purpose is for us, for, for telling us all these things. At the very end of the passage, he said, I have told you this so that my joy, this Joy that is not dependent on circumstances. My joy is in you, and your joy is complete. And that word for complete means overflowing. Not just a little joy, but overflowing joy. There's joy, isn't there? When we do the right thing, when we are obedient, we will experience joy we will experience life, I believe, in proportion to our obedience, our willingness to really trust in and live out the commands of God. Want to experience life with God? This abundant life that Jesus came to give us? Then remember these words. 
abide and obey. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for these great words of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you have come to give us life, not to condemn us, to bring us life and life abundant. Lord, may we be people who learn to abide in you, to trust you, to be obedient to you and your commands so that your joy, your life may be in us and our joy may be complete. Amen.